Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, welcome back to Apologetics Talk Radio here on the ATR Network with your host, Marty Mento, where we take the lies that are being taught and shared in the world and we lay them to rest underneath God's truth. What a delight it is to have you here again on the podcast, and uh, I hope you're having a great day, because God is good. If you are a child of His, uh, He has saved you through sending His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I am grateful that uh, God sent His Son to live a life that I could not live, to to fulfill in complete and perfect obedience to the Father everything that was desired of the Father. And uh, he then went to the cross and he shed his blood for my sins. And he was buried, but yet on the third day he was raised from the grave, alive forevermore. And this is all according to prophecy, the prophets that spoke hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus Christ came into this world. But uh, it is a delight to be with you here today uh, on the Apologetics Talk radio podcast. And uh, I have to tell you that uh, today has been a challenging day for me. The reason is, is because a lot of things have been going on. Um, I'm still having people contact me, want to know my thoughts about this whole issue with Dr. John MacArthur, Beth Moore, the Truth Conference that took place in in uh, California. Uh, Pastor Jeff Noblet has made an announcement, I think I mentioned it last time, that his church down in um, uh, Alabama is no longer going to be a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he has stated why, and um, the slippery slope that, that seems to be uh, going on within the Southern Baptists, and, and many different things. And people have been asking me questions, and I've had pastors call me. One, one pastor said, uh, we've already made it known. We're pulling out. We're not going to be a part of it anymore. And there's many different issues, but the issue that uh, we talked about last time, and I'm going to talk about it again today, is women in ministry. And uh, I'm really going to go where the rubber meets the road today, but I had to lay a foundation. Last time we, we got together, uh, I really went back to the book of Genesis, the beginning, God creating man, God creating woman, and um, what is a woman's role and responsibility. And we realized that the Bible has an awful lot to say. When it comes to the family unit, we realize that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And uh, we, we, I'm not even sure we got that far, actually, last time. We, we really talked about uh, why the woman was created, and again, she has a special purpose and place in God's plan. Um, and even though it was Eve that was quite deceived, uh, she, has a, she has a way and a means through childbearing that she's able to redeem herself because she has an opportunity in the relationship with bringing children uh, to really share the gospel and to impact these children's lives. It doesn't mean because she has children she's automatically going to be saved, but but we'll talk about that verse today a little bit. But w- we begin to realize that there is a great value and importance in women, period. 
And we don't want to downplay that, but we also want to make it clear that within God's plan and his purpose for the family and for the church, there is structure. Uh, There is role and responsibility. And unfortunately today, especially in the day and age in which we live, it seems like all of it is being thrown out the window. I had somebody that contacted me this past week and was really upset about the MacArthur-Beth Moore issue in the conference and what was said. And um, they asked me my thoughts, and I, I try to be careful because I believe that these are men of God, and I believe that even as men of God, there are times that maybe uh, not only what we say, but how we say it is just as important. And quite often people say things, I think, with the wrong tone, and I'm not talking about you got to you got to walk with you know uh, very gentle and and wear kit gloves with there. I'm talking about sometimes uh, the way we handle situations and circumstances, and especially others who claim to be our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be careful. And I think all of us at some point in time have probably been guilty of responding to somebody or to a topic or a situation in the wrong way. Uh, maybe coming across as arrogant or or angry and just you know just having a chip on her shoulder, uh, or just the opposite, being too mushy gushy and you know and just kind of like you know it really doesn't matter you know who cares kind of. I, I think we just have to be careful, and that's why each and every day we should be filled with God's Spirit and we should be led by the Spirit. And before we speak, we need to think. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that went on at that conference with that, uh, you know, question and answer time that, that really has a lot of people stirred. And the fact that uh, Todd Friel from Wretched Radio even brought up the issue and, and began to talk about Beth Moore, a lot of people thought that was, it was already, they, he knew what he was doing, he did it on purpose, he wanted to stir the pot because that's what he likes to do. I mean, all kind of things. And I think what happens, we got to be careful, is, is that the world around us is watching. And they're listening. And again, we want to present Christ to the world in which we live. And that does not mean that we don't speak truth, but we should speak truth in love. So once again, we should speak the truth, but it's how we speak it. It's how we deal with it. And that's what I'm trying to do here by talking about this on this podcast again today uh, as we talk about the topic of women in ministry. And there is much to say about this. I, I cannot deny it, and, and I even wondered to myself, am I going to do any due justice trying to get through this today, or will this take another podcast? So you need to bear with me, uh, because I'm going to do my best to give you as much as I can uh, in the time uh, you know that I have allotted for this podcast. Uh, but before we get started, I want to remind all of you out there that uh, it is important for us to really know what we believe and why we believe it. I just got off the phone with a dear brother in Christ who's in another state. He called me asking for some wisdom and advice, and, and we, we were talking about things. He actually brought up the subject. But again, I really believe down deep inside that you know as well as I do, it is the truth that will set men free. Now, we're talking about people who are already believers, there's, there's truth. God's Word is true. But the truth will set men free. But some people have not been reasoned with uh, with the truth, with the Word of God. 
Uh, matter of fact, in this conversation with this brother, he was talking about um, fellowshipping and being a part and what he was teaching his congregation in regards to others that hold very strong beliefs about certain um, aspects of Christianity um, in certain things. Um, and I told him that some people are just a product of their environment. If you are born and raised in a particular belief system uh, or a particular doctrinal system within biblical Christianity that tells you that you shouldn't do this, you should be doing this, this is what this is, and you've never really taken the time to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, but rightly divides what? The word of truth. Um, if there's a right way, there's a wrong way. I think we, we understand we need to. So knowing what you believe and why you believe, it starts with you. You're listening to this uh, podcast today. Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? If you don't and you hang on to, well, this is what my pastor teaches. This is what my parents taught me. This is what I learned in Bible school. Uh, it, whatever, whatever it may be, I call that secondhand theology. And secondhand theology can be, and if you know me well enough, I say dangerous. Because the problem is, is that somebody who taught you may have taught you what is wrong. And I really believe it is time for us, more than ever before in the body of Christ, to once again know what we believe and why we believe it. And there is also, before I move on and dive deep into this topic today, we have to realize that there are times that we need to draw the line in the sand and we need to uh, potentially break fellowship with certain individuals because of not only what they believe, but what they practice. And I believe that there are times that we have to do that. And, and somebody during this whole mess has asked me straight out without, you know, pulling any punches, and I appreciate that. Marty, would you sit underneath a woman pastor in the church? My response was just simply no. Absolutely not. Now, I'm not angry about it, but I would not. I would not sit underneath a woman who was a pastor in the church. And the reason why I would not is biblically, because I don't believe that a woman, biblically speaking, as we look at the Word of God, should be a pastor, an elder, a Bible teacher, leading people in that type of capacity and authority within the church. Now, I do believe that women can be teaching other women. And women can be teaching children, but when it comes to women, as far as leading, having authority within the church, being a pastor, teacher, etc., and teaching other men, it should not be. And the reason why I say that, which bothers a lot of people, but I'm just being honest, because I've dealt with this many years ago. I used to deal with this quite often, as I mentioned, I think, in the uh, previous podcast, uh, I would get female pastors who would call the program and engage in this conversation. But what I have to do is I have to go back to the Word of God, and I have to rightly divide the Word of Truth, and I have to really look at what God says about this issue. And like, for instance, the one person who got a hold of me this week was saying, well, I really respect this Bible teacher, and I want you to watch a video in which this Bible te teacher, who is well-respected, 
uh, supports women pastors and women leaders in the church, and that we should also. And so I, I, you know, I entertained it for a while, even though, you know, down deep inside, I've already settled this issue based on the Word of God. But I, what I did was simply was, as I listened to the video, and as I watched the video, I began to realize that the basis of this man's belief and teaching that women should be pastors and teachers and leaders in the church all had to do with the women uh, who went to the tomb after Jesus had died and brought forth the spices in that. And as I listened to this, I, I began to realize, well, first of all, this is taken out of context. Um, we know that Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture never contradicts uh, uh, you know, itself. There, there has to be a foundation, but what this guy was basing his foundation upon was that uh, that had nothing to do with whether or not women should be leaders or pastors and teachers in the church. Something obscure, and he just took that, and he ran with it, and he's teaching other people, and there are people uh, that say, wow, I really respect this guy, and here's what he says on the issue. Once again, we got to be very careful. What does God's Word say on the issue? What does God say about this? And that's why today I, I, I think it's best that we begin to springboard right into the deep end uh, of the theological pole and, and tread some water and try to take in as much as we can on this issue. Uh, first of all, I realize that the, the place that causes a lot of commotion with a lot of people is the teaching of Paul as he wrote to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul starts off uh, by uh, sharing that, you know, the praying uh, prayers of the utmost importance and giving thanks to God, but we need to pray for those who are in authority um, so that we can lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. He goes on to say that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And he talks about the fact that there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and about the fact that he gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. And through that, Paul makes it clear it was because of this reality that Paul was appointed by God to be a preacher or a herald and an apostle. And you know that Paul struggled with that because there were so many people that tried to attack his apostolic authority, his calling the whole nine yards, whether he had any right. Was he really, uh, you know, speaking on behalf of God? Did he have the authority that he claimed to have? Was he truly an apostle, one who was untimely born, etc., etc.? But here as he writes to young Timothy, he's making it clear that he is and has been appointed by God as a preacher and as an apostle. And as he does this, he once again goes back to, in verse 8, the fact that praying— he wants men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. He wants men to pray. Uh, Christians should be praying people, especially men, leaders in the church, leaders in our household. Uh, we should be praying men. We should be calling upon God, first and foremost, for the salvation of people who are lost. Uh, but we are to recognize the fact that prayer should be a priority. Well, as he talks about this, uh, he then goes into uh, a teaching or dissertation about women. 
Now, some people question why. There have been times that if you, if you read things that have been written over the years, there are some people that think that Paul had an axe to grind with women, that he was a male chauvinist, uh, that he was like everyone else. He didn't treat the women right, and you know, women were to be nothing more than— and, and that at time period, some say they were lower than dogs— uh, but they should just remain barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. You know, that's where they belong. Keep them there. They don't have a say, don't have any real importance or value. But I think the problem with that is, and I know the problem is, that is not Paul. Because when we look at these letters, when we look at what Paul has written to young Timothy, uh, the preacher, when we look at the fact that what he's written to the churches, we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed. We believe that the Holy Spirit carried along these men who put down on the parchment what God wanted us to have and know. So ultimately, you know, unless we throw out the majority of the New Testament, because a great majority of it Paul wrote, um, we have to realize that this is God's Word. This is what God says. And God is not a respecter of persons. And I've already taught this last podcast that God created woman for man. A woman is uh, important. And, 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 and again, the two become one. And, and the importance of a woman in a man's life, et cetera, et cetera. But also here we realize that Paul is going to deal with women. He wants men to be men of prayer. But he says here in verse 9, Likewise, I want women to adore themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and golden pearls or costly garments. Now, people get bent out of shape about it. There, there are people in denominations that women will not wear any of this stuff that's mentioned here because they're concerned. Well, I, I think you have to look at the context. You have to look at what is taking place and why this is so important. First of all, we realize that when God created woman, when he created Eve— uh, he creates that which in the eyes of man is beautiful and attractive. And during the time of Paul, as it has been in any time, women um, want and desire you know, other men, or I should say man in general, to look at them and to notice their beauty. But at the same time, quite often women don't always wear what is proper when it comes to clothing. Uh, clothing can be revealing. In Paul's day and age, just as it is today, nothing new underneath the sun, women, unfortunately, at times did not wear the proper clothing. They not did not adorn themselves with that which would be respectable and that which would recognize a person. I, I just said this the other day to someone. There's a difference to, in me between uh, a, a lady and a woman. A lady is distinct, and she, she stands out. She, she is one who really... Um, she respects herself, and she wants others to respect her. And the way that she adores herself or adorns herself, excuse me, and presents herself to people is that where that she is, is someone that she's, she's a lady. Um, she's not just a woman. She's a lady. And unfortunately but true, I think during Paul's time, as I just mentioned, and also we find it today, there were women who did not do so. They did not wear the proper clothing. Um, they weren't modest. They weren't discreet. Uh, you know, they, they fixed up their hair, they put on the gold or the pearls and the costly garments. Uh, and, and many times, uh, these were women who were, you know, kind of on the prowl, on the hunt. Sometimes these are women who did stuff like this that, uh, you know, they, they were, uh, again, flirtatious. 
uh, they were acting really unbecoming of that which would be uh, equated with a godly woman. Um, and in many cases, just like back then and today, too, you had women who uh, were involved sexually uh, with many of partners. Uh, sometimes you had those who were uh, dressed up and, and fixed themselves up who were, who were harlots, uh, prostitutes, etc. And, and I think what Paul is stressing here, that he wants women uh, to be defined very distinctively and very carefully by what they wear— how they do their hair and what they put on and everything, because these things can cause distractions. They can cause discord in the church. Um, and, and so Paul didn't want people to, um, these women specifically, to call attention to themselves uh, because of their wealth or their beauty. Uh, he wanted them to truly um, define themselves uh, by being a godly woman, especially when it was time of worship and when they gathered together to worship. Um, I mean, if they had committed themselves to following Christ, then they should pursue godliness. Um, they should, you know, not only the way they dress and they appear to others, but in their behavior. And this is where he kind of transcends into this, talking about uh, which is really the cause of much uh, problems with many people, especially many women. When he says next in verse 11, let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Now, Paul here is, um, he's making it clear here that a woman's role and responsibility is to receive instruction. She's a part. She's a part of the learning process, like everyone is, is when we gather together as the body of Christ. You have those who are teachers and who are gifted by God, who have the uh, understanding and the wisdom, the mind of Christ. Even though we all have the mind of Christ, I want to be careful here. He is gifted. He is. He is equipped. He has called specific people to be teachers and to be leaders and to bring forth the word of God. And, and as far as the role of a woman. She is to receive instruction. So women were to be a part of receiving the instruction in the church. Um, some people at that time period, I think, again, if you do a study, that some people believe the women didn't belong there. They, they didn't have you know, the right to, to be instructed by others, and they should be instructed strictly at home. But Paul's laying down the reality that they should re receive this instruction, but he says how they should receive it, quietly and with an entire submissiveness. So they themselves uh, should truly take what is being taught to them. They should receive it quietly. They shouldn't be loud and boisterous. And uh, I know that there is a great concern during that time period, and I think we see it further on as we look at this text and others, that maybe the women got boisterous, uh, maybe many things were being asked, questions, which we are told in another place that they are to go home and ask their husbands. Um, but there seems to be that there were things happening in the church, the gathering, the body of Christ, as they gathered together, that was causing disruption that was causing problems. And we see it. So Paul makes it clear women receive instruction, but do it quietly with an entire submissiveness. Maybe there were women there, too, that were standing opposed 
and going against what was being said and spoken. Uh, matter of fact, I find this interesting, but if you have a Bible and you look at the book of James, James actually deals with this issue on a whole when it comes to receiving instruction from the Word of God. Um, and and I, I find that most people don't realize that this is what is taking place when it, it says in James chapter 1, uh, listen very carefully, verse 19, this you know, my beloved brethren, but let every one be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, listen carefully, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is just a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And then he goes on with this. But but the key I want to bring here is, is that there's no doubt, whether it be men or women, that there are people at times that don't want to receive in submissiveness what God has to say. In our human nature, we want to bucket. We want to stand against God. That's what really what we're doing. We're bucking God. We, we, we don't want to be obedient to him. We don't like what he has to say. And, and I find this interesting because this is my experience. I have, over the years in pastoring different churches, I've had women who become very boisterous, very uh, mouthy, uh, very um, belligerent when it comes to certain places in God's Word that has to do with women, um, being a mother, being a wife, uh, leadership in the church, whatever. There's certain things that really kind of hit them the wrong way, and they get upset. And I could just tell after a message, I, I could even tell during a message with some of them by their body language, some of them are kind of talking to themselves, they're airing their anger out right there underneath their breath. They're all upset. And Paul's making it clear here that a godly woman, who, or a woman who makes a claim to godliness, she must receive the instruction of the Word of God quietly and with submissiveness. And I think that's where it goes to the other passage that tells us distinctively, I believe it's in 1 Peter chapter 3, that when you have a woman who is being instructed in the Word of God, that you have a woman who, if she does have issues or comments or questions or whatever, she needs to take it home to her husband. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, in the same way, you wise be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if there, uh, even if there's any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Then it talks about their chaste and respectful behavior. It talks about their adornment, not just being external but uh, internal. You know that's what really matters: the hidden person of the heart, the quality. Uh, and then it talks about you know the fact that uh, uh, you know Sarah obeyed Abraham, even calling him Lord. And, um, you know, it goes on to talk about there is a way, a right way to really display the fact that you are a godly woman. Um, you are to be gentle and quiet in spirit, and that's precious in the sight of God. 
and and the husband is to live with the wife, understanding as one with a weaker vessel, since she is woman, and that you are to grant her the honor. I talked about this in the past podcast. Grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So it, it gives us a definement of what is expected from a woman and what is to take place. We also find other passages, like, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, quite often, many people have probably heard messages or teachings from Ephesians chapter 5, but as we go into Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, it says, "'Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord.'" For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Um, Then it goes on a little bit further on down. If you go jump clear down to verse uh, 33, it says, Nevertheless, let each individual among yourselves love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. So you, you see the structure, you see this, um, what is um, expected, and, and I think this is important, what is expected of a woman? And the truth of the matter is, when we have women in the church, and they're receiving instruction, they are to display that quietness, that gentle spirit. Um, they are to um, receive this instruction in such a way that they are demonstrating that they are submissive ultimately um, to God. And I think that really is a principle for all of us, as I read James chapter 1. And, and, and that's, what, that's what some people have a hard time with, because there is this aspect um, where women or anyone in general just wants to blurt out questions, wants to stand up in defiance, wants to in some way make their thoughts, their feelings, their opinions be heard by other people. And that is not what a godly woman should be like. Matter of fact, it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34. Let the women keep silent in the churches. Now, again, you teach on this stuff, people get upset, especially the women. I've even had some men get up tight about this, thinking that, you know, men are or women are being treated wrongly by God or by Paul here. But it says, let the women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. But let them subject themselves, just as the law also says. And if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Or it is, as it says in the Greek, disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. But what we see, the picture is, the reason she goes home and asks her husband is because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, but ultimately he is to be uh, the spiritual leader. He is to be the priest of his home. And this is one of the problems that we have today. We have a lack of men being spiritual leaders, being able to answer their wives' questions, or even able to talk to their wives about spiritual things. Um, I know over the years there's been a big push in regards to home Bible study and family time together, which I think is a great thing. 
But the truth of the matter is here, what we find is the man, the one who is to be the priest, you know, the prophet, the provider, the protector of his home, he has to be well-equipped. He should be taking care of the weaker vessel. He should be watching over the one who has now become bones of his bones and flesh of his flesh, the one who's become one with him, his helpmate his truly his sister in Christ. And if we put this all together, and again, because it's a podcast, I'm not here to for every jot and every tittle, every nook and cranny to get into every aspect, but I'm trying to give you enough so you see the picture here. But the godly woman is not only to display outwardly what she's about, but inwardly. People should know that she's a woman of God. Her husband should know that. The church should know that. The world should know that. And as we've already seen, there's structure in the home, in the family, and there's structure in the church. So Paul here, as he's being carried along by the Holy Spirit, he says, but I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Now, once again, some people argue because Paul's saying that's his word. So they're really not, not all of Scripture is the word of God. Not all of the Scripture is authoritative. This is Paul's opinion. No, I, I think Paul is making it clear that he doesn't permit as a authority, as having apostolic authority given to him by God, which we've already read before. If you look uh, upward, you look here. Um, in verse 7, for I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I'm not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Paul's saying, listen, I have the authority, and here's what I'm telling you. Here's what God desires. Women, they are to receive instruction. They are to be a part of the body of Christ. They are to learn. They are to grow, but they are to receive it quietly and be submissive. They have questions. They have issues. They are to go home to their husbands. But also in the church, I do not allow a woman to teach, period. I don't allow a woman to teach. And here is why, is because Paul is going to give a definement why. And again, we could argue until we're blue in the face. We could try to bring cultural arguments into play, but we have to let God's Word speak. I don't allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. So the men in the church are to be the teachers. Men in the church are to be the authoritative figures. Men in the church are to be the pastors, the elders, etc. And not to mention, as I mentioned just, uh, just two days ago to someone, every reference in the Bible to an elder or a pastor is in the male. It's a he. He. Not a she. Not an it. He. And there's some people that can't even handle that. They, they get upset about that. That bothers them because, once again, they feel like a woman is being held down, suppressed. You know, she's not able to, to really blossom and to be all that she could possibly be. Listen to me carefully. It's not that a woman would not be able to teach the Word of God or that she would not be able to lead the church. Uh, it's not that a woman couldn't lead her own household, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not the way that God intended it to be. That's where the exclamation point has to be placed. 
The issue that these women have is with God. And these men who are giving in and saying, I'm there with the women. I'm right there. I'm holding the sign. I'm shouting, go, girl, go, girl, go, go. You're wrong, too, because you're standing opposed to God and his word. That's what's at hand here. And what do we find here in verse 13? Paul displays the reason why. For it was Adam who was first created, then Eve. Okay, the head, the federal head of the human race is Adam. Adam takes the responsibility. God holds him accountable. He was the first created. And it says in verse 14, And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman, woman being quite deceived fell into transgression. Eve is the one, the weaker vessel, who fell in as she was tempted. She gave in, she sinned, and then she gave to her husband so that he could sin because she knew what she was doing was wrong too. But Adam was held responsible by God because Adam is the head of Eve. He's the head of his household. Man is the head of woman as Christ is the head of the church. And then it says in verse 15, But she shall be preserved through the bearing of children if the woman continues in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. If she remains truly and she truly is a child of God, she has an opportunity to redeem herself by the fact that she will bring children into this world, and she will have an opportunity as a mother to share and to bring forth the gospel and to bring forth a witness of Christ to her children. It doesn't mean that her children are guaranteed to be saved. It doesn't mean that if the only way a woman can be saved, she has to have kids. It means that she has an opportunity as far as a woman to redeem the women womanhood, because it was the women, or the woman, excuse me, who was quite deceived and fell into transgression. See, to me, if you begin to put this all together, you begin to see distinctively and clearly that God has role and responsibilities in the family. He has roles and responsibilities in the, in the church. And the truth of the matter is, we could go even go as far as saying he had roles and responsibilities when it comes to, you know, in life in general, whether it be within uh, the community and leadership and, and the, the things of the world, and do we occasionally see God deciding to do something that was not maybe the norm? Yes. But those were examples that God did at, at a particular place in time. He did not go against his word, but he demonstrated uh, the importance of a woman. And uh, I think the women, you know, who were at, you know, truly they were there who were weeping when Christ was being crucified, uh, to the women who uh, ultimately went to the tomb um, with the spices and that, uh, the women who were mentioned within Scripture. I, I mean, we go on and on. We see the value. We see the importance of women in the body of Christ. We see the importance and the value. We cannot deny that. And we have the fact that in Scripture, because it teaches us very clearly and plainly, that when it comes to women, for instance, Titus chapter 2, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, that's verse 3, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Who are they teaching? 
that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Women can teach other women, especially older women should be the example to younger women. But what was the priority in what they're teaching them? How to be a wonderful, great, godly mother and wife. Period. That's what is of the great magnitude that younger women need from older women. It's not how to run a business or how to be a powerful woman in society or in the church, how to do this or that and, you know, in, in, be a part of a movement or something. She's to teach a woman, you know what? God has blessed you with children. He's blessed you with an opportunity to redeem uh, when it comes to the fact that Eve, she fell, she sinned against God, she was quite deceived. You're married, your husband, love him. Love him, respect him. Love him as you love Christ. But ultimately, you love him more because Christ is the head of all of us. He is the head of the body of we are his body. But at home, your husband is the head of the home. He's the head of you. Submit to him. Respect him. Love him. You're his helpmate. God has blessed you with him. God has blessed you with children. God has blessed you. And even if you don't have children, the fact of the matter, the older woman can really help younger women understand that there may be a reason, a plan, a purpose that God has beyond what they can understand. Because, you know, even the Jewish women had problems when they could not bear children, that God was against them. And his hand was against them, and they were, you know, something, some sin or something in their past or their family tree, something was wrong. But that wasn't always the case because God had a plan. He had a purpose. And then we see the issue of teaching children. We know that Paul, when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, twice in his second letter, he talks about the fact that he's mindful of the faith that Timothy had, which he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you at all. So obviously these women were an example to young Timothy. But then later on in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes these words, You, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Going back, the women in his life, his grandmother and his mother taught him, taught him the scriptures which tells us that that is exactly what Paul's talking about in his first letter. In chapter 2, as I already mentioned to you, when Paul writes these words, but she, meaning a woman, shall be preserved through the bearing of children if the woman continues in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Now, again, I didn't break every word down. Uh, there's much more I could say about this whole entire issue, but I, I, I'm, I'm hoping and believing that you're getting the gist of this. Women do have a role and a responsibility within the home, within the church, within society as general. But I think what's happened today is everything has been flip-flopped. Everything is out of order. 
And so we have people who want to stand up. And I think when we do stand up, we have to be careful what we say and how we say it. But truthfully, a woman should not be an elder. She should not be a pastor of a church. She should not be teaching other men. She should not be teaching her household. She should be truly leading. Well, now, if she's a, a lot of people are going to say, well, what if she's a single mother? What if her husband died? All these stuff. I, I understand that. And we could talk about each different specific scenario. I'm saying as, as an umbrella in general, the bottom line is this. When it comes to the elders, when it comes to the pastors, when it comes to the leaders of the church, they are to be men, period. When it comes to the home, the priest, the prophet should be the man. He should be the leader of the household. He should be the one who's instructing and teaching. He should know the Word of God. His wife should be able to comfortably come to him and talk to him about spiritual things. And you realize through Titus, through Timothy, and other places that the reference to these leaders are always men. The structure of the family, husband and wife, one man, one woman, not two men, not two women. We could go on and on and talk about everything that's going on today that's out of control. But the visible church today is also out of control. And the only way I really believe is for us to go back to the Word of God and let God speak. And as I said it earlier, because I'm going to wrap this up, and, and I'm not sure I've done it, I've done it due justice because I, I'm sure I could go on and on. I could probably go to a third podcast, if not a fourth podcast, but I think that I've given you enough. I started with the foundation of God creating man and then creating woman. Why? Then I just showed you today the structure, the role, the responsibility in the home, in the church, what we're finding. Paul didn't have an axe to grind with women. Matter of fact, they were probably all shocked, as I mentioned earlier, when Paul said they are to receive instruction. They are to be part of the body of Christ. There is value. But we cannot take culture, and we cannot use culture in the sense of creating doctrine by culture. Nor can we take someone who is successful or something that seems to be working and saying it's God, because that's pragmatism. So somebody would say, okay, Marty, you seem like you think you know what you're talking about. What would you say to a woman pastor today? Repent and step down. Or as John MacArthur said it, and maybe the way he said it, maybe when he said it, maybe even how he said it bothered a lot of people. Beth Moore, go home. Go home to your husband, the priest, the prophet of your home. You have questions? Ask him. Be submissive to him. But in the church, the body of Christ, be quiet. Receive instruction quietly and submissively. Display truly the character of a godly woman. And Beth, you're getting older. You know what? Teach other women. 
Hopefully you've taught your children, which I'm not sure. Somebody just said they're out of the house. I I don't keep up on, I don't follow her quote-unquote ministry, and I know that there are a lot of people that have problems with even some of the things that she teaches, and and there are a few things that I do know that are troublesome to me. But the bottom line is simply this. When John MacArthur said, go home, he was referring to what God said, the priority for a woman, a godly woman, is at home. That's her priority. And we could talk about other things, about the fact that she's so prominent and so many people follow her and, you know, yada, 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 yada. But I I think we got to go back to the Bible. This is not about a culture. This is not a cultural argument. This is not an argument based upon prejudice and and the fact that, you know, I'm a man and I, I, you know, I'm sure, Marty, you're going to say what you're saying because you're a man and you don't want women to succeed. No, I want to be obedient to God's word. I don't care what Marty says. I, I don't care what Beth Moore says. I don't care what John MacArthur says. I care what God says. That's where it comes down to. It's about what God says, and that's what's missing today. And what happens, just like James says, listen, quick to hear, slow to speak, because your anger, don't let this. And, and, and see, that's what's happened. And then people say, well, again, look, she has such a following. She does such a wonderful job. Even men say, wow, you're a gifted Bible teacher. She said she's been called by God to do this. Uh, that means God contradicts himself, which I don't believe ever to be true. A woman could be successful as a pastor. She could be successful as a Bible teacher and as a quote-unquote elder in the church. But to obey is better than sacrifice. Just because a woman can do something well, or maybe even do it better than a man, doesn't mean it's right. That's what's wrong today. And until we get back and realize the role or the roles and responsibilities, the structure in the family, in the church, in a world in which we live, and again, this is never going to be heaven on earth. It's never going to be perfect. But I tell you, once again, to obey is better than sacrifice. That is truly the key to all of this. And so I, I'm just going to encourage you, and again, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, martyminto at gmail.com, and uh, you can share your thoughts and your views about it. But um, I just wanted to kind of get this off my chest and help others out there. Again, there's so much more I could say, but I'll leave it at that today. It comes back to what does God have to say? And we need to obey God, not man. And we need to look to God, and we need to all humble ourselves before God and trust God uh, to lead us and to guide us by His Spirit, to be obedient to His Word. Uh, Don't forget, folks, uh, Who is Jesus to You?, the pamphlet that's out there and available. And there is a lot of them here. I just printed up a new batch. If you'd like it for your church, yourself, to share or defend the faith, I want to encourage you to email me, and I'll send them out to you free of charge. If you want to give me a donation, that's fine. Hey, by the way, continue to pray for a few people that uh, I've had an opportunity to witness to. A young girl by the name of Emma, 
and a gentleman by the name of Larry. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would do what only God can do by saving them. That they truly would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Hey, thanks for being with me here today, again today on Apologetics Talk Radio on the ATR Network. I'm your host, Marty Minto. The Lord be with you and bless you. Until next time.